0: Welcome to Hear Her Out, the podcast which tells millennial women's stories. I'm Faye White, a journalist and a sexual violence activist, and my guest this week is Leanne Marskell. Leanne is a 26-year-old former model and the author of The Model Manifesto, a book which exposes the shocking truth about the modelling industry. Leanne recently left modelling to pursue a career in law, but she modelled from the age of 13 and likened the pull of the industry to a drug and a domestically abusive relationship. Her book unmasks the glamour of the modelling world, revealing how models can suffer financial abuse, physical and emotional abuse, and sexual abuse while they're just trying to do their jobs. Leanne has been featured in The Times newspaper, BBC Radio and Television, and ITV's Lorraine earlier this week, so I was so grateful that she chose to sit down with me and chat all about her experiences in the modelling industry. So now, without further ado, over to Leanne
1: my mum sent a picture when i lived in england to one of these like websites it was like modeling websites and i think she got scammed out of a bit of money i think it was like 100 pounds and i was kind of like oblivious to it at that time and then when we went to cyprus she, she just um said to me one day oh i've got your model agency and i was like i don't want to do modeling <laughs> i've told you and she was like oh then um got your job so like you might as well do the job and see if you like it and i was like okay fine mm-hmm. and and she just sent the picture in, but, like, um, Cyprus is a very small island filled mm. with Greek people. And mm. I'm, like, six-foot blonde. So, again, I think it kind of was just a lucky break, if you want to call it that, that they accepted me. Mm. Although, anyway, um, so then I just ended up doing this job kind of next week. And it was all a bit bizarre and crazy. And um, I was just on this photo shoot with these guys here asking and I was like what are you doing with these pictures and they were like we're gonna put them in vogue in England and Paris and I was like oh okay <laughs> all right <laughs> um and then I do not know how it kind of continued from there really um, my mum just sort of then um, was like you've got a job you've got a job and and just sort of never said no um and it was just something that I was doing more than something
0: that I consciously wanted to do. And before your mum sent the picture to that website mm. had she mentioned modelling to you? before no I remember like a conversation where she was like
1: have you ever thought about modeling and I said no and she's like well me and your grandma and your aunt think that you could do it um you should do it and I was like no <laughs> no I'm literally being bullied like every day of how I look already um mm-hmm. so I literally felt like so unattractive at that point anyway and I was like just because I'm really tall doesn't mean that I should model and any even kind of at that point anyway I wasn't really like oh
0: Modelling as a realistic option anyway. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really something that i considered consider properly. Mm. And you said um, that you had been bullied at school when mm. you were in England. So what was it like from going from being bullied in school to then having your pictures in <laughs> vogue in in England and in Paris? Um, it was quite bizarre again. So it was in the ages of
1: MySpace. <laughs> um, yeah, I think maybe we just had Facebook. But a friend of mine at school in England took the magazine into school. Um, and then I got messages from the people that had bullied me, like, so badly for years, <laughs> being like, we're so you in Vogue, you look amazing. And so it was just kind of quite bizarre. It was quite a weird ending, I guess, um, mm. from leaving that school and moving to Cyprus anyway. Um, but it's funny how... It, then it kind of became my identity, I guess, because I was like, oh, this means that people are not bullying me
0: here because I'm doing modelling. So I guess... That is going to keep me safe. And when you got those messages from those people who had bullied you in school, how did you feel about that? Um, I just ignored them. Yeah. (laughs) I still get them today. (laughs) Like, you
1: literally were really, really horrible to me, so.
0: Yeah, so cut those relationships (laughs) and leave those behind. So you also talked about when you were on your first shoot that you had a bit of a strange experience, like, you know, being dressed by people on set, being Mm -hmm. dressed by men, which must have been quite an uncomfortable experience for you
1: yeah it's quite funny and it's quite funny now that a lot of people are fixating on this because for me it's always been very normal because mm. it just became so normalised at that age but I remember on that shoot that was the first time I felt really uncomfortable and I was like oh these people these because there were two men like one of them was actually the other model and they were just kind of putting tights on me and I was in a nude Thong and like nothing else, so I was just kind of trying to cover my boobs, and they were like, just started laughing at me. And they were like, We literally don't care about your body. And I was like, Okay, yeah. all right, uh, and they're like, We're gay. I was like, All right, okay, I guess that's okay then. Um, and I felt very uncomfortable, but then and just definitely became normalized. And even up to like last year, I would very happily like. And that's what's been very weird about going to my job now. I'm like, I can't believe I used to go to offices like this where just normal people, like the people that I work with, would ask me to get naked and I would do it like, yeah. without even thinking um, because you're just very normalised to changing in front of people as a model. Mm. And on every single job, you will have someone dressing you, whether that's like the stylist or a special dresser that they've hired who's
0: often just like a random stranger off the street. Mm. but now looking back do you think it's quite strange that's normalized (laughs) especially with young teens and I suppose when you first started you were a child Mm. essentially yeah that like 100% that's something that I've
1: become really angry about in the last year because I look back at my childhood and I'm like my childhood was basically taken from me Mm. by lots of different kinds of people um but who would just have my body as their body Mm. in a very strange (laughs) strange way but um It's definitely not something, like anyone, like, you know, anyone can put on their own tights. They don't need (laughs) to have, like, two men getting them into it, especially as a child. And that's, again, something that I'm really angry about is the fact that, you know, people can say, oh, we're gay, we don't care. And it's like, who, so what?
0: Mm. Like, it doesn't matter if you're gay or you're not gay. You shouldn't really have the right to see anyone naked. Without their permission. (laughs) Without their permission. Yeah, definitely. And so because you started so young and your mum had kind of sent the picture mm. in what's that kind of relationship with your family like now do you resent that a little bit or uh, we've had like an interesting time of it
1: um yeah it's difficult because her doing that and me modeling and all the different experiences I've had have led to me now being able to help so many models Mm. as a result of going through all of that Mm. so I'm really grateful in that respect but I think that my mum also just really doesn't understand that I wasn't comfortable and I think that's something a lot of parents of children who are models go through they really can't put themselves in the position of the child mm. because they are just like oh well i trust these people so surely it's fine like they're kind of as clueless as the models are themselves like i think my mom in that position when these guys were getting me changed was just like oh well they're professional people like they, they are gay who cares like you know they do this all the time like um and so i think it's something that's quite odd because parents are kind of as clueless as their children are when they're
0: modeling and they mm. don't realize that it's not okay either you moved to London to go to Queen Mary's mm-hmm. and study law mm-hmm. and you were asked to model again mm-hmm. when you moved here so were you kind of scouted on the street or yeah I was actually first of all
1: scouted to work at um Gilly Hicks which is like oh. an Abercrombie and Fit shop and to model and I was like oh yay um and it was at the interview for that in Westfield that someone came up to me and said do you want to do modeling and I was like oh I already do modeling and she said I work for this agency do you want to come meet us like I think you'd be really good and I said Okay. <laughs> All right, fine. I was kind of quite um, flattered and not really sure how to take it. Mm. Um, so then I I researched the agency and like hadn't heard of them myself before and I also didn't really want to model anyway, moving to London. I was kind of but as I was saying I was like working planning on working in the shop, which I did do twice and <laughs> quit. Um so I knew that I needed money. Mm. Um, so I thought it was worth looking into and going to meet them. The meeting like was just quite odd because i think it's something that happens to a lot of people who are scouted hundreds thousands of them they're all kind of um scouted by people that might not have any qualifications or even work for an agency but they might scout them and kind of promote them to lots of different agencies um who will then just tell them to lose weight or change something about themselves or move city um so i went to that meeting and was asked to lose weight in order to join them and i was like no
0: because <laughs> no, they you. asked you to lose three centimeters was it off your um so waist? i
1: think it was three inches three inches and i laughed and was like oh i'm going to think about this i was like crying <laughs> and then um uh i called the scout a couple of days later and said i'm not going to do it um, thank you and she I was like three inches is like way too much and she's like no we meant three centimeters it's not that much Way like you'll be able to do it in a few weeks. And she was like, um, also, I'm really worried that I'm going to lose my job if you don't do it because they haven't accepted anyone over a year. Um, and I think you can do really well. So can you please try it? And she was, like, crying. And I was like, oh,
0: okay, <laughs> all right. That's um, quite manipulative, though, from yeah, her standpoint. Like, yeah, and that's why
1: it's quite a hard thing to talk about now because, it, like, you know, that agency did treat me not great, but at the same time, it wasn't them, like, and that's the thing of all these agencies, it's normally people that work for them, Mm. that are maybe manipulating or grooming models and not treating them very well, um, and then the models are kind of pushed into a job that they don't want to do, (laughs) doing Mm. things they don't want to do, and they're in this kind of very professional career that they don't really understand or want, Mm. um, but yeah, it was, it was quite a difficult year, and Mm. now I look back on it again, I'm really, um, uh, just, just angry that that happened and more more myself because like yeah, I think I really am conscious of taking responsibility for all of the decisions like I'm more angry that I wasn't strong enough to say no thank you mm-hmm. I don't really care how much it is that you want me to lose but I'm fine
0: yeah how old were you at that point 18 you're 18 so you just moved here to be yeah. in your first year at university mm-hmm. so I guess like when you move to a new city as well you know you're quite like vulnerable mm-hmm. you're new to it all you've been living in Cyprus for all of your teenage years so when someone yeah. comes along to you and kind of offers you this great opportunity i suppose it looks quite mm. tempting that way yeah it's, it's just i think that they definitely in
1: general model agencies and the modeling industry prefer girls that are very vulnerable they don't have a stronger support network they don't have family around them friends um, especially girls from foreign countries because they can't stand up for themselves as well mm-hmm. and people aren't around
0: to see what's happening to them so they are much easier to control mm. so over that first year at university you were balancing your law degree with modeling on the side yeah what was that what was that like um, what kind of jobs did you do impossible, um, because
1: this agency basically were like you have to go to this test shoot tomorrow and they were just very very intensely as soon as I said yes I'll join you they were very intensely pressuring me to go to photo shoots every day that were mm-hmm. not paid um, and I was like, I need to go to my lectures. And they are like, no, you really need to go to this shoot. And they were normally in the middle of nowhere at men's houses and not paid, obviously. And then they wouldn't even use the pictures. And I'd be like, right, thank you for that complete waste of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I just wasn't really going to any university at all, and especially because I missed the first big part of it by doing all these shoots. And I'd have to go in and get measured every week as well, which would take up like, a couple of hours um so that year was really really very difficult for me in general because it was very difficult to lose the weight so for the first like four months I didn't make any money at all because I wasn't the right size Mm -hmm. Uh, because obviously it's very hard to lose like three inches or three centimeters off your hips Mm -hmm. um and then once I did lose that weight then they were like all applauded applauded me mm. um and then they said that I had to kiss them all when I came into the agency and like I had to like give them an air kiss and if I didn't do it I was told off um yep yeah, and then you know, it's kind of like now you're an official model sort of thing and they got me jobs um a couple of jobs for like editorial magazines but they were they were paid like a little bit but they said basically we're a high fashion agency and most high fashion jobs are not paid really anything and I was like <laughs> So you want me to starve myself and work for free and not go to my lectures? Um, and in the end, that's why I did leave because they wanted me to do a shoot for agent provocateur, like an underwear brand um, that I wasn't comfortable doing because it was um, very contradictory to what I was studying mm. and what I wanted to do in the future and they were kind of like, you yeah. know, they just implied that I would never become a lawyer anyway. So like what was my problem Mm. um and then that was the point i realized that they didn't care about me at all and left Mm. um but then my next stage saying that like then i kind of took a year off concentrated on uni joined a really cheesy small
0: agency it was very uncool in comparison and they were great like they were really good with uni and it was much easier to manage Mm. so when you going back to when you did manage to lose the weight and they applauded you (laughs) didn't they then come back and tell you that you had to lose more weight (laughs)
1: yeah so she was like oh it's really silly but um To join our main board, you're going to have to lose two more (laughs) centimetres. I was like, are you kidding? And by that point, I'd
0: already had to dye my hair brown as well, which I also really hated a lot. Mm -hmm. And I told them and they were like, we don't care. Why did they want you to dye your hair brown? Just because that was the look that they thought would get you more jobs. Yeah, they just said to me, um, you need to dye your hair one colour.
1: We've made a hair appointment for you. Harvey Nichols. I was like, I'm not... um... I thought like, I'll go to my hairdresser. And they're like, no, no, you need to go to this hairdresser. And my dad was said, you need to check. Um, he's paying for that because mm-hmm. it's not going to be free. So I asked him and I said, oh, it's going to be like, I think it's £400. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will pay for it for you. And then you can pay us back when you make the money. And I was like, um. And my dad basically went and insane and was like, no, you're not um, mm-hmm. getting into debt. He said, I'll, I'll pay for it for you, but you can pay me back. So did that. Um. And I said to them, like, yeah, I never want to do that. Thank mm-hmm. you for that kind offer. <laughs> um, yeah. So I went and paid, like, £400, and then my hair was done brown. And I said to them, like, oh, you know, I really don't like this colour. And they were like, we don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it really is, like, someone literally takes you and you you belong to them. Like, your, your body, you, everything about how you look, like, your life, your time, it all belongs to someone else. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really amazing how quickly that can happen and how you don't even realise that, all of this is suddenly happening and you don't have control
0: over even your hair colour anymore. It almost sounds like being in, like, an abusive relationship with the mm. agency. Oh, 100%, yeah. That's exactly what all model agent Not like, generalisation,
1: but, like, most model agencies' relationship with their models would be is a domestic, domestically abusive relationship where they get you into debt like there's just this constant fear that you're not good enough like you're always trying to please them you're always just terrified of them but at the same time want them to like you um they're in control of everything like they if you want to have lunch with your friends on a saturday you have to ask them for permission if you can book that time off like it's it's literally like being in a domestically abusive relationship
0: Mm. or slave labor yeah (laughs) So you can't even pick and choose like which jobs you take, really. No. <laughs> you they definitely choose for cannot. you. Yeah. <laughs> they, you'll get an email. So
1: as a model, you'll get an email every night at 6 o'clock saying what you're doing tomorrow. And it might say like that you're doing a photo shoot for this client or it might say you've got these castings. Um, they won't tell you how much they're paying. Some, some of them won't even tell you how much the jobs that you're doing are paying you. And you'll have mm-hmm. to call them up and ask them. Um, but you don't have time to say, oh, I don't feel comfortable doing this job or I don't want to do this job. They just send it to you and you don't get a choice. And if you do kind of turn down work or say no, or um, say I'm not comfortable doing this, they will get quite angry at you. And like, it's basically every model's worst fear to be deemed difficult and like to upset their agency. Mm. Um, And so it's a really terrible, (laughs) like it's just a very horrible situation because you can't say no to anything. You have to do whatever they say. Uh, last year, oh, like, it was a while ago, um, like, I stood up for myself to an agency that got me really badly into debt, because I was like, this is, I, I was like, this is completely crazy, like, you've got me a £1,000 of debt in a week, and then they charge me interest, and I was, it's crazy, but mm-hmm. I was so, um, obviously on the right, um, with what I was saying, but then sent them cakes, like, next day to say sorry. Just to We're keep spent, them yeah. sweet, in a way. Literally, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so, so, so insane. Like, we're looking back on it, like, oh.
0: Yeah, because also in your book, you talk about financial control, Mm. which I think is something that you don't often expect or hear about from models. You mainly hear about, you know, the the eating disorder side of things, which I suppose has been reported on for a number of years, sadly. Mm. But can you tell me a bit more about the financial control side of things? And you mentioned that this agency got you a (laughs) £1,000 into debt. Yeah, so with modeling when you sign a contract or when you have an agency
1: because a lot of them won't even give you a contract they have your power of attorney so they can enter you into contracts on your behalf that you often never even see and they can spend money on your name without your permission so um basically say like that agency that i first said um sort of so oh, we we're going to pay 400 pounds on your behalf
0: mm.
1: and then take that back from you I learned that agencies do this a lot. So they imagine that you have come from like Russia and you joined an agency here. They'll say, oh, we've got your flight to England, like, and we've got your flat and you'll come over and you'll have no idea that they have charged you for that flat and that flight. Um, They've charged you for everything. You have no receipts or proof of how much it costs. Often the agencies own flats then they'll rent out Kind of like one very small room with bunk beds in them to have six models and charge them all thousand pounds a month each to live in the um, flat for a month. <laughs> they're like bad landlords as well. Mm-hmm. It's in like I was watching yesterday on my Instagram story. Well, a friend of mine that's just trapped in the model apartment again for like the third time in a month because the door keeps breaking. Mm. Um So this is this is just kind of speaking in terms of England where we have relatively okay human standards but in countries like China they have people that actually go around the flats that girls are living in and make sure they're in bed by a certain time check what they're eating check they've been to the gym it's insane um so this is one thing um accommodation flights and then photo shoots so like this agency that I was talking about they basically kept saying to me oh we've got your photo shoot tomorrow for 400 pounds that you're going to pay for and we will take that back out of your money. And I was like, I don't want you to do that. Mm. <laughs> um, and I, I've always been very, very cool since last finding out that they could do this, that I never want to get into any debt. Mm. And this agency, when I kind of very much called them out on it, they were like, you're very uneducated on this. <laughs> you don't know. She was like, you're really uneducated on debt, and you have no idea what you're talking about. Um, she was like, this is an investment into your career. And... There are very limited situations where it could be, like say you were coming from a very poor country, you didn't have the money, and you really wanted to come to England, and you knew your flight here would be 300 pounds, so your agency lent you that 300 pounds, and they took that back. That would be maybe okay, but what they have is just unlimited license to spend as much money as they want in your name, Mm -hmm. like rack up debts on anything. So then that's kind of legitimate-ish things. Um, and then they might charge you for composite cards, like portfolios, printouts print of your pictures. Um, my agency abroad charged me for admin fees, FedEx fees, and you'll get your monthly statement if you ask for it. And this one, in, um, that's broad, they sent it to me recently and it just came in a letter, in an email that said, this is legally confidential. You're not allowed to like, put this out. In the world and then the statement had just all these random charges added to them and then huge red letters saying non-negotiable like stamped mm-hmm. over it and it's because they know that models are not happy about this but I think often you're just so scared of rocking the boat you're so grateful to be paid anything at all that you won't say anything about it you're just like okay, take whatever you want mm-hmm. um, and then there's also the fact of how long it takes to be paid as a model and also the money itself so for a job you might be told that you're being paid like a thousand pounds but when I worked in one one of my clients offices in the legal department I saw my contract and saw that they were being paid Um, uh, my agency was being paid one and a half thousand one thousand two hundred um so I was like oh, I didn't know this mm-hmm. because I get told this a thousand. And my agency was like, oh yeah, this is the commission that we charge the client. And I was like, but you're taking commission from me as well. Mm. So, which is actually illegal. It's called double dipping, but they just invoice it in a way that it's not. Mm. Um, so they often charge 20% to the client and then at least 25% to the model.
0: Mm.
1: And then you might get paid that money. Normally you'll get paid um, between one to three months after. Most models get paid three months after doing a job. Mm. Which is a long
0: time to wait.
1: (laughs) It's a long time to wait, especially if you have problems with your agency, you want to leave, because in many contracts it will say you can't get a new agency for three months. Mm. So that's six months without pay, potentially. And then a lot of the time they won't even pay you at all. Mm. Um, And they'll just say, oh, the client hasn't paid. And you've got no way of proving it, except if you start becoming like me. And I just would call up my clients and be like, can you send me an email if you've paid? Because traditionally it would be much harder to contact them, but now, With social media and things it's become a lot easier Mm. Um, so basically models are extremely extremely financially vulnerable like none of the models that I know have enough money to live on they're all kind of very poor but then what is very hard and very addictive thing about modelling is that you'll be told out of the blue oh you might have a job tomorrow that's going to pay you £10,000 and you're like oh it's okay I'm fine and that money is obviously like a crazy amount of money to earn in one day Mm. but it's kind of like literally being on drugs or gambling because it's just this kind of you're holding on for one more one more big job that will be able to pay your rent but it's never actually as much as it seems Mm. um and by the time you get it it's actually always watered down to something much less than that and then you've got
0: to live off that for like however long it takes to get your next job Mm. and then be paid for it with all of this going on with being told to lose the (laughs) weight with the financial (laughs) stuff and with the university as well like you could not be blamed for having slipped into quite a dark place yeah. because you talked about how you did struggle with depression with mental mm. health so when did you realize that things had kind of spiraled and you weren't you weren't happy with what was going on
1: um i do i think i've always been very i think from modeling from such a young age i've always been very people pleasing mm. and i kind of didn't even question when I was 18 that these group of strangers were telling me to lose weight every week and sort of really heavily pressuring me and you know really just now looking back on it just basic like humiliation degrading me every week in front of everyone um so at that point I wasn't even really aware of how depressed I was and I was um I think I'd also from my teenage years I was like not very happy, I was already like very depressed and like just was very like drinking a lot of alcohol and just not in a very, like not um, very worried about being fat, ironically I was like so, so thin, um, so I was like not eating very much when I was a teenager and then this, and then I, I think I became a bit better and then that year really took me back into a very um, just unhealthy but kind of unconscious place um Mm. where i was like not eating anything at all because that's the only way you can lose that much weight and then i went to Yi, finish i think it was definitely when i finished university and i started actually becoming quite successful as a model like earning a lot of money but that's when i became more anxious than ever because i was like this is going to end and then i'm going to have to get a job and like who on earth is going to hire me when i've been doing modeling and like it i think it destroys your self-esteem so much that you are really really um you just feel very worthless and you're like no like this is all I have and no one else is ever going to want me and um when I finished university I just slid into a very very dark place of like drinking a lot of alcohol and just becoming extremely depressed and like as I was doing very well I was like oh my god this you know I was modeling for like all the top e-commerce brands making a lot of money and um i would like look at my pictures and be like oh they or like look at how well i was selling on the internet and be like oh my god like they're going to drop me because what they also do is they option you i would have to call up my agency and say what am i doing next week and they'd say you've got an option for like these brands on these days um which means they might use you or they might not use you when you find out the day before and it's really Mm heart-wrenching because you you might think oh okay great next week i'm gonna make two thousand pounds i'll be fine and then the six o'clock night before comes and they're like, oh no, sorry, they haven't gone with you. Mm. So that really kind of takes you into a very, very t- like just a roller coaster where you have no idea what you're doing every day. You're waiting for it to end. You're just like really anxious. Um, so I think that was definitely that was the start of my demise. And then I think I realized for sure that I was like very in a very very like deeply bad place probably like a year later. Um, and then got a lot worse, and then it got a lot better, and now now it's, like, fine. But, yeah. um, it's something that's quite interesting, I think, mental health, because I think a lot of us don't even realise that we've got a problem until it's, sort of, like, really bad, yeah. Mm.
0: And then, if you don't mind me asking, did you ever seek professional help for um, your mental health yeah. problems? Yeah, quite a lot. And a lot of doctors were
1: like to me, oh, you're fine. They were like, you're clearly, like, um able like to sort of recognise your problems and they offered me antidepressants which I didn't want to take and it's really bad because in the end I had to go to a private doctor who diagnosed me with ADHD mm-hmm. and I think that's definitely helped me so much just being diagnosed with this but it's just really bad that you have to go to a private doctor and how bad the mental health um provisions are that we have mm. generally but in the UK if you go to your GP and say like I'm not feeling very well I need to see a therapist or I need to see the, um psychiatrist it takes six months to be referred Mm -hmm. um and people don't have six months to wait if you're not really not doing very well um and so and then i got referred when yeah i I eventually got referred and managed to get transferred back over to the nhs but that private doctor was like 400 pounds Mm -hmm. for the session and he was like basically for, for the rest of your life for the adhd medication you have to come back in to see me and then pay £200 a month for the medications. So that would be £300 a month forever. Mm. So it's something that I'm really passionate about talking about mm. because I think it's just really bad that so many people are in a similar position. If you don't have that money initially, you're just stuck, basically. You don't have help. And therapists can't help you. They can't tell you what's wrong with it. You go in to see them and they're like, oh, we can actually just listen. And you're like, great. Mm. I don't need you to listen. I need you to um, help me and tell me, tell me what to do. And they're just like, Sorry,
0: mm. and they're also really expensive. So, did you not really find the therapy very helpful for you?
1: Not really. um I went to see different therapists in Australia mm. who were more kind of like spiritual. They were called kinesiologists, mm. and they were a lot better because they took a much more kind of broad approach and they look at your body and really it's more holistic at... approach. Yeah, yeah. So, I found that a lot more helpful. Um, and then I yeah, I, I think therapy is a great thing. So the therapists that I was seeing in Australia and here in London, they were really helpful, especially last year mm-hmm. in just sort of being someone to support you and say, um, you're okay, like you're not a bad person because I think for me anyway, last year I was like, Oh my god, like um, you know, I've done all these terrible things, I'm an awful person and, and like and basically in like relationships and the therapist would be like, No, you um no, the sound's like, you know, I've had a lot on your plate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so re- I think therapy is a really great thing and should definitely be supported. And I would see um, um, in Australia, I would go to something called one Wave. is all it takes. So am also like the most helpful thing ever. So they're a charity that meet on the beach in the morning and talk about mental health. And they're just kind of like a support group. And they're like, this is what I've been going through this week. And they will dress up in like, fluorescent colors to mm. raise awareness. And they go surfing afterwards, so they kind of have conversations about mental health and why they're dressed up. Yeah. Um, and had free yoga on the beach. So that's something that I initially set up here in London. Yeah. And now, and in the process of setting up again because um, it, when I tried to set it, it's
0: just hard figuring out how. We did it at the London Eye in um, January. Cool. And it's yeah, because that sounds like was that in Byron Bay? Um, or in Bondi. In Bondi. Yeah, because yeah, that sounds like such an amazing. Yeah. an amazing thing just to have that space to come together with maybe perhaps a group of strangers and mm-hmm. just have like no judgment and just talk about what you're going through yeah. and just like to get fresh air as well just it like, get some space get some clarity yeah. Uh, yeah um prince harry and Meghan went there last year and they raised quite a lot of
1: awareness about it and i think it's such an important really really important thing and it's something that's so important to talk about because i think so often like especially now we hear the message like oh it's okay to have problems but actually in reality it's like one thing to have problems but it's another thing to actually get help for them Hmm. and be able to get that help and have someone to actually listen to you or just be there in general especially if you're already in a bad place and maybe don't have money to go to a therapist
0: and you don't have six months to wait to go to a free one um these things are very very important And with all of this having gone on, you must have got to a point where you thought like enough is enough and you decided to write your book. Where did that idea to write it in a book come from?
1: Um, It really didn't come from anywhere. So I've always been quite passionate about helping um, models, especially understand their jobs, because Mm -hmm. as I've finished um, studying law and modelled more and more and had more experiences, I've learn things that maybe most models don't know like the agency commission that's added on to our jobs Mm. um and so when i got to australia i ended up moving to byron bay which was like quite a nice little hippie town in the middle of nowhere yeah um and they don't have any model agencies there so when i went there i kind of just had the space to sit and not do anything (laughs) um and it really really freed me and I was staying in someone's house and kind of had nothing to do all day (laughs) and um I started up a blog and then I got an email from someone asking um about advice because her daughter had been scouted so I sent a huge email back and then I was like oh I should put that into a blog post and then had the idea when I was in a yoga class to do like an A to Z so I started writing that and it was really really like very big um the blog post and then I friends of mine in Australia had ebooks, so it was like oh I'll just make it into an e-book mm. um and then it became so big I was like okay now I, I kind of it it feels like having a baby that I didn't want to have it's like a huge responsibility I was like okay now I have a responsibility to make sure I do it properly so I should take it back to England and try and find the publisher and really do it justice because no one else has done anything like this and mm. it's really important information that models just need to know to not be in the same position that I've been
0: in and so many other models that I know have been in but worse um Mm. yeah and what has the feedback been from the modeling community um models it's been amazing it's been really 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 like it's been the
1: weirdest weirdest situation ever seeing the book in public and in the hands of people that I don't know Mm. um but so many models have messaged like really incredible messages about um, how it's helped them and how it's got information that they had no idea about and how they've took it and been able to bargain with their agencies about their contracts and so every time I get a message like that I'm like oh, oh my god it wasn't for nothing because writing it over the last year was hell um it was so horrible and stressful and just awful and was half the time I was like why am I doing this it's completely pointless like it's not going to get published, like no one's gonna read it anyway. Like, what am I doing? Um,
0: Were you writing it before you'd found a publisher? Yeah,
1: yeah. And then I found the publisher last summer But she they're like a hybrid publisher, so you pay a bit money a bit of money up front. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so it's kind of like self publishing but jointly, so it's, it's like half and half, yeah. In a way. And mm-hmm. she is incredible. Yeah. And it's Alison Jones and she's amazing. <laughs> um so at that point it was called the model manual because I again wasn't really sure where I wanted to go with it and I asked um penguins I had like a few different friends that had published books of penguins I spoke to them and they were like um they said this is a nice idea and you should publish it for free and you should publish it yourself and give it out for free to people and I was like ah oh, thanks very much but
0: God, I really nice to make money, money.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um And then I found Alison, who a lot of people recommended to me on a women's Facebook group Mm. called um, Blooming Blooming Founders. Mm. Um, So I was like, does anyone know how to publish a book? But like, do get someone to do all these admin bits for you. Mm. Um, And Alison said to me, oh, you should go back and look at the book again. And I was like, no, it's fine. You take it, it's done. And she was like, yeah, I think you should go back. And then she said, um, I think we should change the title to The Model Manifesto. And I was like, yes Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my god I need to go redo the whole book um Mm. because I was like that's exactly what I want it to be so I don't really want it to be saying you know modeling's terrible and I don't want it to be like modeling's amazing um but just saying something needs to change and this is what you need to um really protect yourself in the industry if you if you're going to do it Mm. um so that's when it really took on a new life of its own and it just was such a horrible (laughs) stressful process because then i realized it needed to have like input from lots of different kinds of people so i Mm. went and talked to agency owners and models hundreds of models um different types to make sure that it was representing everyone properly Mm. um accountants for the tax chapter and lawyers and just Psychiatrists, um, like lots of different people to give input to make sure that it was actually giving the best advice they could, yeah. um, which was really expensive and really stressful and I was like why the hell am I doing this? Because I was like oh if you're going to kind of self-publish a book it probably won't get into bookshops anyway and also like no one, like you're so often silenced as a model that I was like no one is going to care at all. Um, So it's so 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 nice to have, to know that it's just helped even one person. Um, and yeah. that's all, literally, that's all it was actually meant to do. So, mm.
0: It's such, like, I guess reading it as a mod- as a model, it must be like such a me too moment, I think, for the modelling industry because you read about all of the financial abuse and in some cases sexual abuse and other types of abuse mm. that have happened. You know, even the fact that they're asking people to lose weight, <laughs> it's just ridiculous at such a young age as mm. well. So it must be helping so many models. But you also said that in an interview modeling is like a drug mm. and you only kind of gave it up professionally a few weeks ago mm. is there anything you think that could kind of drag you back into that um, world? I definitely I have friends that um have
1: brands and I really love their clothes I'm wearing mm. this one now yeah. <laughs> um so if they want me to model for them I'm, like very happy to model for them mm. like have my picture taken in their clothes mm. um but I think there's definitely nothing in the world that would drag me back into agency modelling. Mm. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely not. Um, especially like in the last year, I've been I think of like four or five agencies in the last year alone because mm. as I started writing the book and standing up for myself, I was basically not... The agencies do not want a model like that. So the first time I did it, I just said no to something kind on of a job and I got sent home and then... My agency were really angry and I said to my booker, like, oh, I'm going to leave. And I was like, if you don't respect me. And she was like, yeah, we wouldn't book you any jobs anyway because you stood up for yourself. She was like, not me, but everyone else would think that you're difficult. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly why I'm leaving. Mm. But they were great, that agency. So it's it really hard because they were amazing. And, like, mm. the relationship I think a lot of models have with their agencies is that they feel really loyal to them. And your agency is very nice to you until they don't need you anymore and they're just gone. Mm. Um so, in the end, I joined like lots of different kind of agencies and they're kind of mainly to try and make some money. Um, but just watched my career literally go down in flames over the last year, especially it was from both sides because I couldn't stand doing it anymore and being on jobs where, you know, I went to Paris and I had to do laundry rehearsals for 13 hours a day and like minus five degrees. And I said to the agency that I really didn't want to do it because my therapist Said, like, like, you're really not in a very good place to go parade up and down in your underwear. Mm. She was like, you know, it's terrible money as well. And she was like, say that you don't want to do it. You've got, like, two months. Like, you're obviously able to say no. And the agency were like, no, you can't. (laughs) They were like, they've already booked the train ticket, so you'll have to pay for the train ticket if you don't want to do it. Which I think was, like, £200 or something. They were like, sorry. Mm. So doing jobs like that was just so... um, kind of very it was a very odd experience because I was so angry but then I was still doing it and it was very bad for me mentally because I was like this is so annoying because I still have to rely on it to make enough money to even live but Mm. it actually wasn't the more that I was standing up for myself and that's it's again kind of very conflicting with the book because you're like well well, why are you telling people to stand up for themselves if they're just going to get kind of um, treated so terribly as a result Mm. but I think that it really takes everyone standing up for themselves and Me, myself, like one person standing up and saying I want to see my contract or no, I'm not really comfortable shooting nudity is like very easy to silence. But if all of the models knew that there are these contracts that you never see or this is how much your agency is taking from you or this is what um, your average job
0: should look like, then it's a lot harder to silence everyone. Mm. When you look at like the top models of the moment, because you know what's behind all of it, do you think they are truly happy? No. (laughs) <laughs> no and I think also the top models
1: of the moment are mainly celebrity offspring so mm. or and I think
0: definitely to become a supermodel you need to have a connection to like the fashion industry so you think the kind of Jordan Dunn success story spotted in Primark is just not really very achievable <laughs> <laughs> yeah I would say it's
1: definitely not achievable. Mm. Um and in terms of that, like it's definitely not something you could ever aim to achieve, if that mm. makes sense. But maybe like random look. It'd be like winning the lottery. Maybe by random luck you would happen to be scouted and be successful. But even mm-hmm. that like I friends with a really successful model that makes an absolute fortune. Mm. Um and she said to me, because I was like, oh she's obviously having a great time so she's not really going to care but she was like oh my god no when I was in China I she got kidnapped by someone and she um had money like thrown at her she was left in the motorway in the middle of the night alone she like basically just had all these terrible terrible situations that happened to her before but now she's doing quite well it's like quite hard to just um to talk out about those times and mm. to say oh they actually suck and even her like she's doing a lot of e-commerce modeling and she was saying i can't take it anymore because she hates all the fast fashion and like it's mm. like it all becomes very normalized very quickly and mm. it's very hard to mentally deal with it and mm. then you're very you, you know you seem very ungrateful like
0: it's a very weird success to have finally how do you think that the modelling industry needs to fix itself. So you said that you think that there should be um, an entry-level age of 18 for Mm modelling and that children shouldn't really model. What other things do you think?
1: Um, So when I was writing the book, I started working with a model called Catherine Nielsen. Mm -hmm. And she'd written a really amazing policy about um, about models not being sent to work alone. And I was like, come (laughs) come and help me if you want. And we started writing policies for the whole industry because I had suddenly a lot of, kind of top people working with me on the book so we wrote a policy that essentially said you know you need to respect models but it focused on models seeing their individual job contracts and signing Mm -hmm. them which they never ever do and I only actually really found out about them from writing the book Mm -hmm. um and I think that's really the key to it it's just giving models the power and information that they need to be in control of their own lives. Um, because if they saw these job contracts and signed them, they would know exactly how much they're being paid, exactly how long the client has to pay the agency by. Um, they would know all the details of a job. So it would just mean it's all a lot more upfront. They would have real choice over whether they're going to do a job or not. Mm. Um, and I think that's really key to the new kind of modeling that needs to happen is that models just need to be treated as adults and human beings rather than objects to be rented and sold um and then because there's a lot of codes of conduct and things that are out there but none of them are actually enforceable so you need something that's actually very practically enforceable like a contract and just a process and oh, then there's a lot of different things that need to happen as well like standards that the industry should follow i think that model agencies should be given licences again because these were taken away before so now anyone can set up a model agency um, with no control, like you could set one up or I could set one up. And I think that they need to have standards of how they send models to jobs and castings because they have anyone could call up a model agency and say I want to book this model tomorrow to come to my house and they do that I'll take picture of them on my iPhone. Um, I think that they need to just basically treat models with more respect. I think there needs to be a cap on how many models are allowed to be of an agency and proportionate to the number of bookers. Mm. I think they definitely should never, ever, ever be allowed to charge any money to models without their knowledge and express permission and receipts. Um, No interest charged to models. Yeah, on the last page of the book, there's like a manifesto of what needs to change. Mm. So hopefully all of this will cause the government or whoever needs to take action to do that and take action if it's just the models themselves
0: Mm. and what's the one piece of advice you would give to young women who want to get into modeling don't do it no like if you want to do modeling
1: then read my book yeah Um, and protect yourself just from the basic knowledge um really make sure you've got a very strong sense of self and don't allow anyone to change you into something that you're not
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hear Her Out and thank you so much to Liam for sharing her experiences of the modelling industry so openly with us. If you haven't rated the podcast five stars now is your chance if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. The ratings really do help others to find it and if you're feeling extra generous please leave me a review they really do make my day. My guest next week will be Oxford University student and YouTuber Miss Vars, so stay tuned for that next Friday and I'll see you next week.